Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today we have another great podcast for you guys. Probably one of my favorites uh, today with Mike Della Pava from The Battle Axe Gym here in Miami, Florida. We go into detail about leadership, creating culture, legacy, and even social media. Enjoy this one. About like things I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But it's a fucking job, and it's like, yeah, it does put food on my table, put sponsorships on my back and mm-hmm. all that shit, but it is a job, and if you don't see it like that, then again, like, rarely you'll see me post about silly things. Right. You know? I'm like, I'm done with it. I'm like, I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And I scroll into what I need to, and I like a few people for fun, and then I just, I disappear. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Ugh. I give it, I give it the example, uh, and I use this all the time, I remember this one time, I think it was either in the Brian Carroll workshop, or when I was, I don't know what, when it was, I know you said it. Uh, you said, hey, you have to treat that barbell, you have to respect that barbell. Whether that barbell has just a barbell, 45 pounds, or if it has 300 pounds, or if it has 1,000 pounds. Once it gets on you, once it gets on your back, or once you're trying to lift it, yep. you respect that. Because yep. it so that it has no mercy. Yep. And, I, and I feel like social media, any tool, tool social media is a tool. Any tool you use, a barbell is a tool, um, a barber is a clipper, or whatever it is yep. you want to create, uh, you want to use as a tool. You have to respect that, and it can both be a uh, hindrance or an evil, yeah, and, uh, and uh, basically a helpful tool. So it depends on how you use That's it. Like, again, social media nowadays, people, yeah, you get the exposure, you get uh, the brand, you get the sponsors, you get all that. But then you get trapped into the likes of you. motherfuckers on there. Trolls. hating you. Yeah. yeah. It's negative. It's negative energy, man. I said this, I say the same thing. It's a tool. Everyone's like, I hate social media. I don't hate it. I mean, at the same concept, I can say I hate my car, too. Like, right. I hate it, but it's like, it gets me where I need to go. Exactly. Would I rather be, like, walking down the street in some market in Europe and walk everywhere? Yeah, that'd be great. Riding a cool-ass horse or a dinosaur, that'd be great. But I need my car. As much as I hate getting gas and everything, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. It can become, you can either put a bunch of money into it and go in debt and hate your car and hate that you got it. Or you, same thing. It's a tool like the barbers that you said. Mm-hmm. And now I see social media as... Obviously, it's still a way for some ways to express myself, and right. on some levels, like a personal thing. But dude, no, it's it's a job. Like you'll see my posts. Most of my posts are either really about my sponsor and my job, or like people that I want to be recognized. I'm like, oh, I just that little put on my story, put right. on my story. That's it. And I'll tag. Like, I post like once a day. I was like three right. times a day, no matter what. Now right, I'm like, right, right. Eh, Saturday, I'm like, I don't even post. Yeah. I'm like, Bleh. And I, I, I'm sure people look at me when I say that, I'm like, hey, you're hypocritical. Now that you got a good following, now it's like, hey, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. In a sense, I guess, you, I guess you could. But even earlier on when I started posting, I don't know how we got this conversation, but yeah. even when I started posting, I started seeing, I remember I put a post earlier on this week, like six months into it, I was like, I'm dead. Yeah. I lost why I started it. I right. became more of a rat race. Um, but it's just understanding, hey, using this as a tool, using this for, for the good that it can be. And it right. can be vice versa, right? right. Um, so, yeah, it can be a freaking monster within yeah, itself. And oftentimes, the same knowledge and amount of work that you use to get to where you need to go is not the person you need to stay. And I learned that. Oh. You know, like the same amount of like feverish posting and opinions and almost like this non-uncaring, I can say whatever the fuck I want on social media that got me to where I was, not yeah. that I'm super successful on social media, I would say I'm relatively successful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that person eventually is no longer the person you need to be. Again, touching base on what we were talking about. You have to kind of like realize, okay, I don't need to post three times a day. Mm -hmm. Not because I have a bigger following, but because I'm in a bigger position and I need to refine what I'm saying. Now mm -hmm. my words have consequences, my right. statements, my posts. I have people that either depend on me legally by my sponsors or my members and my lifters and I can't just be like, oh, I don't like what this guy said, so I'm going to go on this huge Instagram right. rant about how I hate them right. and then burn the bridge for my lifter mm -hmm. just because I have a personal problem with them. Uh, typically, my personal issues are discussed in person. I'm mm -hmm. not a social media troll. I'd rather confront you like right. a man. But I, I, you just necessarily, a lot of people are like, oh, well, now that you're, you don't do that anymore, I said, yeah, well, A, I don't have the time because the person that was that got me this success, and now I have to be what? Refined. I have to watch what I say. I understand that my words have much more merit than when I had 500 followers and I was getting 10 likes. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting reposts, I'm writing articles, absolutely. It, mm -hmm. Your world becomes very refined and very specific. It's like you become more mature. And people may see it as a, oh, you're more distant. And no, this is just a different aspect of my career. Maybe in five years, I'll be less busy and I can post 10 times a day and have somebody work my social media or right. somebody doing programming for me so I can sit on Sunday and scratch my ass and <laughs> post about how cool I think this guy is. Um, or I'm so powerful and so popular that I can literally say, well, fuck you and say whatever I want right. and not have any legal repercussions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a balance and it goes through phases just like any business. You know, mm -hmm. you, when you're hungry, it's not necessarily that you're not hungry, it's that you have refined your flavor. I mean, just like you're in college. What do you do in college? You drink shitty beer. You eat shitty food, right. but you're still passionate for life. Right. You get out of college, you're like, I'll have shitty beer when I have to. I'll have a nighty ice if there's nothing else to drink. Right. But I like a fine whiskey and a steak dinner. I'm still hungry. I'm, right. still, I'm still wanting life. But I go, 34-year-old man, you're not going to see me always going, oh, natty ice. I'm, I'm not 21, bro. Right, Even right. though I'll party, it's just it's the same concept in business. You can't be that guy anymore. It's, it's bad business. Yeah. People who are successful will see you and be like, dude, grow up. Like, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. That's part. a very good word. It's not sustainable. It's it not burns sustainable. you out. Mm -hmm. And then you, you really start to hate what you do. And that's super dangerous. And I think both of us on this, this podcast will tell you that there's sometimes you're like, oh, you're just aching. You're like, I'm getting, and somewhere in my life, I need to slow down. So I start loving what I do again mm -hmm. or refine something or evolve. Or, you know, many times I walked into the gym, I'm like, Man, I want to go home. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a job. It was, oh, you know, I, of course I love what I do. Fuck, I love a lot of things, but every single day? I mean, some people love lobster. Let me feed you lobster 10 times a day. Cook yeah, you right. know? So you got to start to refine all that stuff. And yeah, it's exactly what you're saying about that sustainability. Is, that is so true. And, and I think what gets me to most, and I know it shouldn't get to you, right? And I know uh, social media is a big aspect of what we're talking about. I will transition, but... It's just an important because I feel like because of the power it has and where it's at right now, I think it's still going to be very powerful for the next maybe two or three years until it's, something else happens. Uh, so I think it's important because most people, when they see people like us posting or not posting, like, oh, this guy, like, uh, what happened? Like, he just... He's done. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not. He's retired. Uh, you know, especially with the algorithm, that changes things too. But yeah, the worst part is you can be... You have this very sentimental, deep meaning post. You post it. <laughs> Crickets. Yeah, and you post this so like arbitrary, just like I guess trendy, just like flashy, boom, post. I'm uh, like, I, what? I mean, I mean, even to go about what's obvious. Yeah. I mean, you can post. 
you got people who are extremely unsuccessful who relatively shouldn't have a voice posting right. either really good videos that are, that are just like you know with their football field wide and two inches deep it's got no value it's just right. shiny or half naked people whether it's males or females uh, and it's that's it that's all about it I mean that's the truth that's the truth that's why typically if you're very successful you are in the trenches and most of the time the trenches are not on social media right if you look at anybody anybody who's successful all 80 90 percent of the work is not seen on social media mm -hmm. how much they don't sleep how much vacations they don't take how much knowledge they're reading the seminars they take half the time you're so freaking busy it's hard to document that now if your only livelihood is social media which is very rare typically it's an aesthetic person, a right. model or whatever. Uh, yeah, of course, you want to do that. But a lot of the work that, you know, therapists, doctors, trainers, coaches, business owners are doing are not anywhere near the radar on social media. Again, it's a tool to mm -hmm. them. And you can, that goes unseen, you know. And unfortunately, you'll see, like, a lot, you'll have time at one point to get successful and express yourself on right. social media. But the true work is not seen. And for the most part... We don't really care because what's given us money, success, and comfort and happiness is not what we express on social media. It's the actual tangible work that we're producing that it's hard to express on social media for the very reason that if I was to write a long post about the excitement I felt for this particular lifter, and I'm educated and articulate enough to actually post it, right. no one's going to give a shit and was, no one will read it right. because it's like they see this. I swear giant I, post, right? I, swear I put giant post alert. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. I know you're not reading it, bro. You know what? 90% of the people that don't read it are my closest friends. Right. So eat, eat a dick because I know you're not reading it. But then this stranger from Idaho messaged right. me. He's like, Yo. bro, thank you so much for that post. Yeah. So, yeah, it's still valuable. It has tangent. Everything's better than zero, that, like Gary Vaynerchuk says. But 90%, 95% of the real work is happening off the scene. If you're successful, so I'm going to speak in the sense of our world for right. now. I don't, I don't like to speak for something else. But in coaching and programming and lifting and therapy, mm -hmm. it, is, it is way off the radar when it comes to social media. And when you're good at it and you're successful, that's where you find your social media be becomes a very distant tool because it's no longer 40% of your daily life. It's a 10% because you're now you're successful. So 90% of your work is working. Right. And then you, I've watched a lot of successful people online and yeah, they'll post a lot, but you know that to, out of those 24 hours, they took maybe 10 minutes to make this post. Mm -hmm. What do you think they're doing for the next, let's say 20, 20 hours or you know, 18 hours right. that they're awake? It's work. Right. And it goes unseen. And then you get animals that do both really well. Oh, that yeah. do social media really well, really well, and do the the intangibles, right? The the trenches really well, both yeah. of them. Which very that's very rare. rare, very far, rare and far between. But and you see a lot of those. I'm like, oh, you know, I can do that. Yeah. And when you start doing that, you're like, holy shit! Again, I think that's like at that last evolution. Right. I mean, a good example is somebody just to bring up a popular name because I feel everyone would get it. Somebody like Mark Bell. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark Bell did years of competition with not with for social media, right? And was very good at it. Then started very raw. I don't know if you remember, but I've been following Mark Bell for almost seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. Very raw YouTube videos that were just no point. It was silly. His commentary was terrible. Uh, he knew he had no person. It was just silly. Like, you knew it. Then it started developing. Then he got, you know, he, he stopped competing. Right. And now he is, like, able to train. And his social media is on another level. He's got a podcast class. and a whole bunch podcast, of Podcast, like, videos. Yeah. I mean, world, he's changed that on his, on his own and with the help of people. Because right. he's at that level where he can spread it to right. a class. Mm -hmm. We're not, I don't think, 
I don't know about we. Maybe you are. But I'm not fucking there. Yet. No, definitely like, not. Like, where I could be not. like, hey, bro, film me and edit it for me. Right, like, right. Man, right. if I had somebody doing that shit, wow, yeah. I would be posting consistently, but not there yet. Like, and most of the time, you know, I, I'm very, like, I want it a certain way. But, you know, when you have that film, you got to work with somebody. Right. It takes time. Right. I'm not there yet. But 10 years, I'll be, you know, when my body's broken down, I'll be like, yo, just film. Right. Just film and hang out, you know. Um, something else I wanted to mention, too, is um, we get a lot of the, At least I remember I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and he was like, Andy, if I don't post, I don't have a business. I'm like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people, like we just mentioned now, that don't post or post very rare. But what they're doing outside of Instagram, outside of social media, is the meat and potatoes. Yes, it does help you get in front of people. But uh, like I mentioned to the person, I was like, what happened? What did people do before social media? There was newspaper and radio. Oh, and there were a million dollar businesses then. Word of mouth. And then I said before that, what about Indians with freaking uh, uh, paint on their face? That's yeah. marketing, right? It would distinguish what clan you were from. Yeah. And if you saw somebody's paint on their face, you're like, oh, shit, that's these people. I'm not messing with them. Or it's like, oh, that's these people. I want to join them. Or vice versa. That was marketing itself at its plainest form. Yeah. Or the smoke. The, mm-hmm. the smoke messages, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, marketing has always been here. But because of how social media has been kind of unraveled and the, the uh, how do I say, the... We were talking about like the naked pictures and all that. Oh, yeah, I don't, sure. I'm trying to look for a word, but I can't remember it. But that part of social media that people think that's the 90% yeah. or the all of it, um, we get lost. So some people are like, hey, for me to be able to compete with other coaches, with other businesses, I have to be on social media no matter what. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case. It's just creating content. Even though you don't get the millions or the thousands, little by little, you create that uh, consistency. But the biggest thing I was, I was telling the person is like, no, you just if you if you if you can use social media as a, as a tool, cool. If you can't, you know the best thing, the gold standard of business is the handshake. Oh, for sure, the contact. Right, that handshake. Now, there's a lot of times where social media leads you to that handshake or a phone call. Absolutely. But the biggest thing is the handshake. Now, if you don't want to put in the work to do that, it's a different story. Right. Is it easier to post a picture and a video of you training and hope that people see it and slowly start? You create content and value. People come to you. Yeah. Yes, it's easier in a sense. But never as powerful as a handshake. Yeah, and I, and I would say that, I mean, to piggyback on that concept, it's really not putting all your eggs in one basket. Right. So if you say, oh, I need social media, then you're already putting it on a platform right. where it's so necessary um, that you may, it may distract you from actually the backbone of your company. Right. Which is what? Relations, marketing, hands-on or word of mouth. The actual bread and butter mm-hmm. of what's really going to pay you, which is on the field now again this depends on the type of business right i'll speak for gym business alone i see a lot a lot of unqualified unrefined very young coaches and athletes pouring their heart out on social media and stereotypically tagging and name dropping people hoping for a like when it just appears like i'm only assuming so that the quality that they put into their general knowledge base are they going to seminars are they reading are they studying? Are they actually watching people lift? Are they asking their lifters and themselves questions that are relevant? Or are they just regurgitating West Side and Elite, something they read on Elite or something they read on Power Rack? Is this, is this what they're doing? And when you say, oh, I need social media for that, I'm like, be very, very careful because like we discussed earlier, then it's no longer the tool. It becomes a necessity. Right. And social media is fickle. 
your body and your fans and your your likes and your all that is very fickle. It's mm-hmm. extremely fickle. So if that's what you start to depend on, you're really relying on a very like slippery slope where, okay, you miss a few days you, and you're going to have anxiety for that. Right. And it, that's when you start to get a necessity for social media. Right. And that's when your business suffers. Because instead of, you know, it, it takes time. It eats yeah. time of your day and it also takes time of your perspective and outlook. It's not a tool anymore. You know, I mean, to put an example based on lifting is when you always use your belt. Should you always use your belt? Uh, not always. You know, there's a time and a place. Learn to use it, not need it. I know people that after a certain percentage, man, they cannot lift. It's like this thing. And I'm like, there's something wrong biomechanically. If right. All you can ever do is lift with a belt. Right. And that's exactly what this becomes. And I'm like, hey, man, why don't you take some time to, I'm not saying not post. Right, right, right. Make them quality. One or two posts a day is fine. I get it. But are you showing me? that you're, or are you expressing or exposing yourself in a way that you're refining your art and your craft? Are you honing your sword? Or are you just fucking waving around a stick and making it look like a fucking sword? And that's what I see most of the time. Mm -hmm. As somebody that's been fortunate enough to be in this business going almost on seven years, ten, eight, (laughs) Jesus, now, ten of these total years I've been training people, six and a half on my own, on my my own trenches, and hanging out with some very successful business owners and coaches, it's, it's the same perspective. You, I've spoken to some of the best coaches in the fucking world and therapists, and it's always the same concept. It's a slow start, and when you're very good at what you do, that's it, you don't have to really try hard. Hey, it'll it. show. It'll. It just fucking shows by what? Your quality of work with, for a coach and a therapist is their fucking lifters. Mm-hmm. And you can see now, I try my best. Obviously, a lot of the Battle Axe videos are about me lifting and stuff. I'm trying to slowly... Pull away, and that's one of the reasons why I guess, well, not I guess, I know why we're here. Pull away from the concept of me, me, and I, and I can openly and very proudly say that the battle axe is a we and us. That I have, I have plenty of fucking lifters now to express my success because I've been doing this in the trenches with other lifters for years. Not just, oh, I pull 700 pounds, it works, trust me. Right, I'm like, train. well, no, I've actually experienced, you know, young, old, you know, injury, no injury, spine injury, leg injury, ACL tears, man, woman, child, successful national champions, powerlifting, strongman, all this stuff, ball players, rugby players. And we've tied these things. I've sat down in seminars. I've traveled. I've put in the work. That's, that's, that's the bread and butter. And there's no way, as much as I can try and express this on social media every fucking day, right. I don't have the time because you have to what? You have to hone your craft. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's either you're there sharpening the blade where you're running around with a dull sword, like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever done. I'm like, it's, it goes on and on on that concept. And I, you know, I obviously I, I'm very, I'm very opinionated about that stuff because it's what I see. And obviously I'm here to speak my opinion in my mind, but I, I can see that everyone's in this fucking rat race, like you were mm-hmm. discussing, to just show the size of their penises on Instagram. And I'm like, man, I, there's no quality behind that. Mm-hmm. I can tell that you're just, you said something that somebody else said. Right. And I can see it. Mm-hmm. And, or they're regurgitating the same effing line um, or making fun of the same thing some other guru said. I go, but what are you bringing to the table? Right. What did you create? You know, what have you done? What have you grabbed from this concept? And not only physically, as far as percentages and training, but also psychologically and philosophically. Because you cannot have a system. I love it. Everyone has a system. Or a program. Right. Without a fucking philosophy behind right. it. Right. Principles behind it. There has to be one. If you don't if it's all tangible and it's all physical, you're not you very rarely will you be successful. Right. Most fucking lifting methodologies have an ideology behind it. And you won't see that very much. 
you see, oh, I love this lift because it helps my bench. Like, cool. I mean, so does the other three books and manuals that I right. got that from 10 years ago. But how does it apply to what you're doing? And tell me how you would apply that to 10 different lifters with 10 <clears throat> different goals and 10 different fucking problems. That's it. That's about as far as the conversation ends up going. Right. And you can't express that on social, social media. media. You can only have other people express that they've learned it from you. Right. I mean, until, again, until you get to the later part of your years, I'm thinking, you know, Dave Tate, Stuart McGill, Louie, and in many cases, Brian, uh, Brian Carroll, where they're at this level where they're expressing so much. They're already at that phase. Right. Where we were talking about, like, fuck, man, how do they do it? Right. They're out there. They put, put the in trench. the work, right? They put it right. in. And then we have guys like us saying, talking about them. Right. That's success. Right. You know what I mean? That's success. The day that somebody speaks about that about me or us, I'll be like, shit, that's kick ass. Right. Like, I made it. I mean, maybe 15, 20 years. But, right. You know. Um, and you put it around right the head because I remember, again, I, I put myself as the example because a lot of people, they see us and be like, oh, shit. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I want to get there. And I'm like, be careful. One, it takes a lot of work just because you see all these things, all the stuff that we've been able to do. Um, don't. There's a lot of stuff that was behind. A lot of anxiety, right. a lot of depression, a lot of ups and downs. More downs than ups, but those ups really you'd be like, oh shit. Right, right, it, right. it holds you up for a little bit more for the next one. Um, I remember I used to. So when I used to do these videos, I would do. I would walk in and be like, fuck. I'll, I'll get. Uh, I'll get to beef it where mine is located at. And I'll get, I'll get there from school and be like, shit, I, I got to post today. I'll look around, like, what can I use? Oh, so stressful. I'll be like, what can I use? I'm like, damn it, it's 5 o'clock, I got to post by 9, I got a 4-hour window. It's going to take me an hour and a half to do this video, another half an hour to write the post. Shit, I might have time. So I'll get there, and there would be times where I'll just pick up something and do a video. And be like, hope somebody likes this. Yeah, right? like it's kind of like waving that, that stick and hoping it's a sword, right? Yeah. And the crazy part is... The messed up part is, a lot of times those videos will work. Yeah. Most of the time, there was nothing behind it. Obviously, not to hurt anybody, but no, hey, but let me try this thoracic thing. There was no like, yeah, it was a good idea for the most part, but it, it wasn't like pre-planned. Yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't like, like you were studying this for yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, and, and then those days where I didn't post that much and I would have this really nice post and that, and then it would have hit. But most of the time, I found myself waving that stick, right. thinking that it was a sword, right? Yeah. And... I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but then you get caught. You're like, okay, it's working because this led me to this and led me to that. But damn it. It's like every time you post those little things or – and it doesn't have to be a post. Anytime you, you get that energy, which for me wasn't good, and continue to use it, use whatever energy I had and continue putting it into the little box that didn't mean anything. It's like a little piece of me kept on like flaking off, flaking off, flaking off, yep. flaking off. And I was like, holy shit. That eats away. Like, I'm like, I'm 20, well, now I'm 26, but I was like, yo, I feel like I'm, something's happening, yeah. right? And people are like, wow, good job. Like, I see you doing good stuff. I'm like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea yeah. what goes on. And, and it's not to them. It's no, more on me, right? right but um, the reason why I like to talk about these things because most people, they see this mirage, right? They see this thing happening. And like, I want to get to there. Mm -hmm. I was like. And you don't even know that what you, I remember another, uh, another person commenting like, hey, Mike, you know, it's so hard. I, I wish I can show people what I'm doing. Like my business and everything's so good. I wish I can do that on social media. Like I wish I was where you're at. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, it's a different side. Like you'd be surprised. Like just because you're doing well 
on your own doesn't mean to show terror. Maybe you don't necessarily have the tools or the, uh, the right mentality, creative mentality to showcase that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you're not doing good. Yeah. Like, don't let yourself, as far as like how the world and social media is happening, because you can't portray you and whatever that product is on, on social media doesn't mean you're doing anything worse. Right. And like, if anybody, you want, I mean, the idea for social media is to bring and to build whatever you're doing. So if you're already there, you want. Right. Like, you're a lot good. of people think about the they other probably, way around. Probably people want to be you. Right. Like, I wish I had a business, honestly, I wish I had a business where I didn't have to be on fucking social media. Right, exactly. I said, social media is, uh, again, it's a great tool, like we're discussing, but man, would it, wouldn't it be great to not have to wake up, you know, and have to post right. and story and repost mm-hmm. and tag and like and make sure you read this, what this guy said, you know? It's funny. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't think I'm putting myself in a position where anyone's necessarily going like, oh, Mike, you've absolutely made it. Right. Um, but the, for the sake of conversation, we'll right. run with that. Um, I would I'd be more envious of the man that can wake up and never have to post. Right. Because you're that successful absolutely. and or have someone else post for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we just said, like when you get to a certain level, other people are going to do your job for you because you're that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it takes work, though. It, it, it takes it. It takes building a particular community and culture around your business. And I'm only, again, I, re- I have to repeat myself when I say this because often people might take it out of context. I'm not a moral compass. And I never tell people how to live their lives outside of, let's say, business or athletics. I, I don't care what you do in your personal life unless it affects your business and your athletic career. You know, if you're a scumbag on the street and it doesn't have anything to do with your coaching career, great. But as soon as your bad habits or your bad choices start to affect your clientele, your brand image, your money intake, well, yeah, that's a bad thing. And then typically that's when I discuss those things. And that's when it it takes, uh, building a culture takes precedence. You have to first start by saying and telling people how to do these particular things. And that has kind of been my, I guess you can say my plan to success is that, you know, it, it takes guidance. It takes, listen, here's an example. We have a gym meeting in this gym about, it used to happen maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have a gym meeting because I felt like what I needed to say was, I can just put it down into one thing. Right. But as I started to expand, I realized if I let people in this gym up to their own, devi- up to their own devices and they're doing whatever they want, there's going to be an issue because there's no communication. Right. And typically when you build culture and relationships, because no matter what anybody says, in a gym business especially, many things are become personal, whether it's friendship or connections. So I can't just be like, oh, I'm going to have a gym meeting and be like, I assume that all of you guys are reading my articles and reading your friends' articles and that. I, I, you can't because as soon as you start assuming that your people are doing something, you're already way off. Right. And that typically happens in what I see often in these gym coaches. There's no communication. There's no authority. And that's, I don't care what any of this. I run a very authoritarian gym and it's very militant in certain ways because I put up my standards on what I need to do. And if you don't reflect those, then you should not belong in this gym. Again, in the gym, what you do outside of the gym does not matter if you show up to train and reflect the brand in the gym correctly. If you go to a meet, be respectful. Say hello. Load plates. Be polite to your judges. Uh, if we have a, we, Typically, this is true. The Battle Life Gym will go there. And they load plates for people, even people we don't fucking like, we're loading plates for them because that's culture, that's discipline. You're wearing my shirt, you're wearing the uniform of something you should be proud of, act accordingly. 
When I go to meets, I'm respected. I treat everyone with respect. I'm not an asshole to anybody. I'm, I'm in my group. And it should be reflected upon the group. If you think that your group is going to do that without you telling them, they're fucking not. Mm-hmm. And that happens all the time. I see it all the time. There's bickering and divisions and cliques and groups because you're just letting them do that. Remember that if you own a gym business, especially, or let's just say most businesses, this is a direct reflection of who you are. Mm-hmm. In my case, it puts food on my fucking table. It puts food and a roof over my family's head. So I take this 100%, 100% seriously. This isn't a passing fad for me. I don't have another income. I don't have another way of making money or gaining knowledge or let alone waking up in the morning to love to do something. I don't wake up and go, I'm in a gym, but at the same time, I got some other shit to do. No. That's why I treat it so way. And then at the same time, it makes it a very hard edge to get off. You know, like it's, I'm a hard edge to get around, they say, because I barely have a give. And I said, okay, in this time in my life, I can't give. Not yet. I can't give to certain rules in the gym. Not yet. Maybe when I'm so successful, I'll be like, yeah, sure. Maybe you can do that or say that. Or you don't have to wear your shirt. You don't have to show up to the meeting. That's cool. Don't load the plates. I don't ever see myself doing that, but that's where I'm in this life. Now, right. to reiterate and bring it back to what we're talking about, if you have these meetings or you speak to your client accordingly, like this is a place of business, you will build culture because people are going to respect it as much as you fucking respect it. If you show up on time, if you wear your brand proudly, if you express and know that what you do has a direct action upon your lifters, they will have to reciprocate. And those who do not reciprocate do not belong in your gym, just like you should not have a truant employee. If you have an employee that is bad-mouthing the manager, misrepresenting the business, going around your back, what do they do? They fire them. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell my clients. I say, I will fucking fire you. You don't pay me enough, but I really don't charge that much money to have to deal with that misrepresentation of my gym. I already have people talking shit in the gym around the place. It's Miami, so right. duh. People already talk shit about the gym and, the, and other people and myself. That's outside of my barrier of control, and it's also my, outside of my barrier of giving a fuck. <laughs> Because if it's not in my face, right. fuck off. Right. You know, and it's, that's where that I believe it's a very strong, strong emphasis on building a culture is to directly reflect your passion upon your lifters. And I tell them like I tell you, this is my fucking life. Whether it's going to be like this for one more year or 30, I can't guarantee it. But every time I wake up, it's with that emphasis. How am I going to push this gym forward? Because now this gym is not myself. Right. It's not MDL. As much as everybody thinks it is, and or at least not so much anymore, but, oh, if I tag the battle axis, I'm tagging Mike. Not necessarily. You're tagging a culture of people, a group of people. Now at a 30, 40, 60 people all over the nation that give a shit about belonging to the battle axis gym. You're not just tagging me. You're tagging a culture. Mm-hmm. And that is the purpose of me so that I can eventually, the gym is its own thing. Right. It's its own living, breathing animal. I know that if I don't show up for something, I know that my people can go out there and represent me and represent something. And it's, um, I know I get super philosophical about that concept again, which is how I am, but the psychology of standing for something. I mean, it, how, can you tell, how can you force that upon somebody? No, you can only prove it. You can only nurture it around that person. I can't force you and be like, you better like the fucking battle action. Right. No. I'm like, we're gonna go by these standards. If you meet these standards, you're gonna fucking give a shit then. Because you're gonna know that the man and woman next to you will do the same for you. It's just like the fucking military, it's just like in martial arts, it's just like being on a rugby team. The person next to you has to give 100%. And when those constantly are pushing each other, you build culture like that. 
And then that is what is unseen on Instagram. You cannot express that, you yourself. But if you go and you read the posts of my, of my lifters, uh, you go to a competition, you see 10, 12 people with the same shirt. You walk into this gym on a Saturday, and if you know that if you're not working hard, you're like a, a, a weak link, you're right. like a cancer. You can't express that on social media. That is now a direct fruit of the labor concept. And that comes with fucking major communication and setting rules and pushing that forward. And that's why not everybody can hang here. Because, you know, everybody has a gym or a system or a, or a methodology or something, but they're not paying rent. But that's not their business. That's not their life. It's what they like to do, maybe. Maybe it's what they love to do. But that's not what puts food on the table. They don't have that same fervor. It's like when you go hunting. Tell me that when you, I don't know, I've been hunting in many years, or when you go fishing, let's say, mm -hmm. something from Miami. Tell me that's not the best tasting fish you ever had. Right. Because you fucking work for it. Right. So when I see these guys, they're like, oh yeah, I love this. I go, you're only halfway there, son. You don't have, you didn't start from ground zero. You're in somebody else's gym, using their gym, and then trying to be successful. I get it. You haven't been tested yet. Test, bro. You haven't started from ground zero when you're, and this is speaking from a coach's gym owner perspective. That's when you start to see a lot of like eh, faltering and stuff like that, but you gotta express it. That's why typically people who are very resolute get criticized by people who are shaky. You know, to, to be a resolute person scares the fuck out of people who are weak. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fact. If you go and you discuss your life to people five years ago, that you were gonna do this on your own, the first thing they're gonna do is shit on your dreams, mm -hmm. bro. I mean, you know it. You already heard it a million times. Are yeah. you sure? What are you doing? Right. Blah blah blah. Then you're successful, and instead of being like, "Man, the congratulations," are like, "Yeah, I don't know if I can do that." And that's kind of because you're still fucking. You, I still yeah. intimidate you. Yeah. And you know, some of them will, of course. I'm not saying everyone's like this. So congratulate you, but they're scared shitless. A of lot you. of most, I would say. Yep, because you represent what they cannot be or what they. They see themselves as like a wish, but they can't. You directly represent what it means to fucking really love something and go for it. You You're touching the uncomfortable. People yes. don't like the uncomfortable. I hate it. It's like when you see a really nice relationship. Right. You're like, fuck those people. Right. You know, you're like, stop kissing in public, you fucking weirdos. You know, you're like, ugh. Right. The genuine ones. The other ones that are being PDA bullshit. You're like, ugh. And you hate. It's like instantly like, ugh, fuck off. And then you're like, man, that's pretty nice. Man. Right. right. And then you calm down. You're like, I'm just a fucking right, I'm just right. grumpy. That's, that's what I feel directly in this business, and I'm, I'm obviously rambling. No, rambling. you're not rambling. You're, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What is culture? Oh. And I'll, I'll, okay, good question. I will speak culture directly into its representation of what we're speaking on today. I'm not going to take a socio-psychological socio path of what culture is based right. on that. Culture in the gym, culture. Culture to, business, culture in, in, this, in creating an entity. Absolutely. So I think culture is the personality and the backbone of what you feel should rep should be represented when you put your brand or your statement on something. A culture is a living, breathing, psychological, uh, philosophical, and ideological representation, intangible, of what you are in a business setting. In a gym culture, it is, when I say gym culture, and I, I fucking promise you I was one of the first ones to use this, and I said it on the social media, and I can't prove it now, but I, no one was using gym culture. I'm just going to say it. Gym culture is not tangible. It's not numbers. 
It's not a total. It's not a how many abs, how much muscles. It's not how many people in your group. It's not how many shirts you sell. It is a living, breathing, ever-evolving representation of your gym and your business. It is something that when that culture, that group of people and ideas walk into a room, they don't have to say anything, and you're being represented. They don't even have to wear your fucking shirt. You know that they're going to go out there and represent you proudly. They're going to speak of us. They're going to go and cheer for their teammates. They're going to cry when their teammates cry. They're going to feel the pain of blood and tears. They're going to be, ex you can see it in the pictures, the screaming of, ah, that whole background. You can't put that into fucking numbers. That's intangible. You can't gauge the amount of passion you have for a teammate on a post, on a number scale. Okay, you might have 100 members. I can tell you of major CrossFit gyms, major fitness, 300 members, zero culture. Right. The, you know why? The moment a machine breaks down, fuck this place. Everything's dirty. This place is so dirty. They don't give a fuck. It's a gym. It's a facility. There's a difference between that and having a fucking culture. Gym, uh, something breaks down, hey, man, you want to? we'll chip in and we'll buy something. You know why I know that? Because it fucking happens here, bro. There's a pieces of equipment that this group has gotten together behind my back, those bastards, <laughs> and surprised me with. Because they, it's not only good for the gym, it's good for everyone. It's, it, of course, I got it, but look, it's not, where am I going to take this, to the grave? No, it's for us. Can't put that into a number, man. I only have, tip, you know, about 40 clients that actually train here, maybe 20-something competitive pure clients. So on a number scale, could you put culture? Could you, here's a, as an, we'll put it on a sociological, even though I said I wouldn't. Could you pull the feeling of hearing the song you heard your mom play when you were a kid for me, like El Grupo Nietzsche and all this Colombian? Mm -hmm. Could I put that into a fucking... How many times I heard it, or because every time I hear it, it feels good. You you can't, you know. That's a that's culture. Right. Something you can't. It's hard to express, but you automatically feel. And I know that in this fucking gym, and I'll speak for myself alone, it's there. It's a feeling you get, mm -hmm. and it's a. As my, I'm not really trying to get into anything uh, overly spiritual or ridiculous. It's actually, psychological. No, one hundred percent. It's it's it's. And the reason I ask is that's the same thing I've been trying to create for the longest time, right? Is that feel, right? I, I name it the experience, but it's, yeah. it's that, is that on it, it's like you can't grab it, but you know it's there type of feeling. When you walk in, same thing where I told you, you're like, hey, it's going to be hot in here. I was yeah. like, no, that's fine. You yeah, have you to. We can't, do, we can't do this podcast anywhere else. Right. I don't care if I'm sweating balls. Like, yeah, we right totally now. are. Or we're just <laughs> like, we're just like wiping yeah, our wet sweat here, but it can't be anywhere else because it will lose the, the essence of... I guess that's the right word. Yeah, the yeah, essence of, of why I wanted to do this podcast with you. Why people want to come in here. Why when people come in here and they feel like shit, they look around, nobody has to say anything. You're just like, all right, I'm putting work today. Right? <laughs> Same thing. Um, and, that's what, and that's what I think culture is. Right. It's the essence. Right? It's something you can't necessarily grab, but it's just like, it's in the air. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, but it's that's what I think culture is. And I think you hit it right on the head. Right? Yeah. It's, it's something you can't necessarily grab. Now, my next question is, mm -hmm. how do you teach culture? How do you pass on culture? Is it teachable? Is it, I don't know. Yeah, what is I, it? I think, um, like, I was, like something I was saying a little bit earlier, and now I'm glad you kind of refined it into that question so we can break it down. There has to be communication. Can you teach culture? Maybe. But you most certainly can create it. Um, culture was created in general. You know, fucking, there's what, hundreds of cultures throughout the world? It mm -hmm. just didn't just plant itself. It's, a, it's something that you take the particular environment that you're in and you start to nurture that environment and then you start to absolutely create something. 
you have to have a vision and you have to have a point and a, um, a path forward into what you, something you believe in, right? That is the beginning of what that is. Once you create that concept or you start to create your ground roots, here's an example so it doesn't sound too kind of far-fetched. If you have a gym and you want to create a culture of strength, discipline, and teamwork, those are very normal, common things. In fact, in almost any business aspect. You can't just, like I said, you can't just say, be a team, mm -hmm. right? You have to say, okay, us five, are we're going to go, we're going to clean this gym up together. You, me, and everyone else. Because it's through action items and communication that you have to put people working and laboring together for a common good to actually build that. Culture is typically, in my opinion, built through sacrifice, hardships, work. And if you want to put it again, I, I, I can't help myself, in a sociological perspective, cultures were derived from certain areas because they had to suffer together. You're looking at northern tribes in the winter. Hey, man, if we don't stick together and hunt some buffalo and make some coats, we are going to die. Let's do that. In the, in the Amazons and in Colombia, how can you get water from the well? Do we, how do we know where to sleep at night? We should sleep together so we don't get hunted by animals. Mm -hmm. And in that process, it starts to create what? General language, general jargon, an understanding of what they need to survive. And yeah, you're going to have your guys on the outside and, and people that don't belong and people that get left or are truant. That's very normal in any kind of interaction, especially with humans. And that's the same concept, obviously taking it from one side of the spectrum to another. In the gym culture, it is hard. You see, you are part of something that's different. You are in a community that is very much different. No matter how much you think there's so many of us, there isn't. Um, and it is hard in the sacrifice. You do push away vices. You can't always go out drinking. You can't eat shitty food all the time. You can't see your family all the time. You are banged up. You are scarred up. You are fucking limping away. You have to put money into competition instead of going on vacations and buying new shoes. And you look forward to what? New Olympic weightlifting shoes that you can wear a total of maybe two hours in a month right. as opposed to these sweet-ass chucks or heels or whatever the fuck you want to wear for every single day use. In that sacrifice, in that kind of cultural concept, you start to develop a connection between the person next to you if the leader expresses the value of that which is where communication is absolutely the most important fucking thing you can do as a leader and as a coach. You must communicate your rules and your demands for two reasons. A, to be articulate and lead, and two, so you can hold yourself accountable. If I say don't touch that, and you touch it, I say, well, you, I fucking told you not to touch it. And then I have more of a right to be like, well, this is why I told you. Rather than letting you touch it, hurt yourself, and be like, and the person has all the right of telling you, well, you never told me not to. And you create bickering. Mm -hmm. So that's, it, to put it into a very practical and, and appliance, what we do here at the Battle Election. There's one day, and it's typically Saturday, where it's a very tough, mentally and physically. It's fucking hot. It's 7.30 on a Saturday. Typically, people here show at 7. It's a, uh, Friday night is typically what? Your day to go out. You right. enjoy your life. Not everyone has the luxury of my schedule in a sense where I have to wake up here anyway, mm -hmm. they want to go out. They want to spend time with their family. They may want to have a drink or two or ten. But if they're not here, they're made an example of because you're not working hard enough like the other guy. We all have problems. We have issues. When you wake up in the morning and somebody's late, as a leader, I'm like, you're fucking late and you're disrespecting the rest of this group. 
It has to be done. It has to be done because the group needs to know that what they're sacrificing for has value. That coming on time here is, has value. That working hard and when you're that guy sitting down, laying down, not loading plates, not cleaning up, it's not okay as a leader to let that guy just go by. Because now the group is not being acknowledged for working hard and that motherfucker is not being acknowledged for being a pussy. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're wrong. And that's it. You have to set your rules. Now everyone's different. I'm telling you how it works in my particular gym and it works in a place of business. But you cannot let that slide because it starts to build what? A cancer. And it eats you. There's no communication now. The group doesn't know why he's doing this. I, don't, I know why he's doing it, but I'm not telling him anything. And he, doesn't, he or she doesn't know any better because no one's telling him anything. And you start to cultivate that. You can absolutely create culture by doing that. Once you have the movement, once you have the base, can you teach it? Absolutely, because you're always going to get an influx of new people. So what do you do? You pull that person aside. You say, this is how we run the gym. This is the rules. I'm going to teach you. This person is going to be your big brother or sister. Follow that fucking lead. <laughs> and then you look at them. You're like, if they fuck up, it's on you. Right. But now you have te- you, I can teach. I can literally be like, I have tangible. It's like a book. Right. It's a living book. Like learn. When there was nothing, when there was two people or one people, that's what I referred to. You have to have a general feeling of group. Like what are we doing here? Vision or sacrifice. Yeah. It has to be something like whether it's cleaning together or uh, going on some sort of outing together or um, g- working on it. Like as far as therapy or training together, you mm-hmm. have to understand like, look. This is what it takes. Now, if everything's happy-go-lucky and everything's easy, it creates some of the weakest, weakest cultures and weakest, weakest links. That's why sports teams are so tight, especially I'll express in fighting and rugby, because you, you go through hardships. Mm-hmm. In this gym culture, yeah, that's why Saturdays fucking suck. And I make it really hard. Saturday's typically a competition day. Got it. But B, it builds that culture. There has to be a unison. The glue is sacrifice and hard work, and obviously that breeds... Discipline, mm-hmm. which is a whole great concept on its own. So what I'm getting here is to be able to, to create culture before you have to have some type of leadership. Oh, and within sure. that leadership, the, the vision, right? That yeah. essence, which you might not have a, a full grasp of it. You have some type of a little flicker. Okay, I want to build on that. Yep. There's going to be little things, whether mentorships or experience that you had prior, that are going to build that essence and that flicker into a more of a light that you can be like, hey, you see what I'm seeing here? Yes, this is what we example. want. But then... Once you, you as a leader, right, for example, you have that essence, you have that little flicker, it starts to grow, and you have, you want to create a team that creates the culture. But in order for you to do that, to communicate whatever you're seeing, because nobody sees that, right? right? You can't put it on paper. You have to now teach that to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is the only way you can necessarily pass that on is through work. Where through work is really by leading by example, which I feel is the best way to do it. And through sacrifice. It has to. I, obviously, it's, we're here for my opinion. has to be. Right. And you, you nailed it. That's exactly... I'm obviously way more chatty, but <laughs> that, that is exactly... I'm 100% sure that through sacrifice, you create the greatest cultures and the greatest bonds. Um, even on a relationship status with your family or your significant others. If you never go through anything, unfortunately, I'm not saying that you have to. I'm not saying that, God, go do something bad. So, no. I'm just saying that unison of going through a hardship together builds such a tie that that's what lasts. That's what legacy is. It's, I mean, it's, it's just look at those, we'll put it into sports. Look at those teams that fight every 
freaking tooth and nail to get to how much how even the people that are on the team are cheering for them mm -hmm. not necessarily underdogs but you can see the work and then there's those teams that are just you know the, everything's going for them mm -hmm. uh, again I'm not dogging them it's just like look at the perspective look at the difference in that unison you can have superstar teams where you have five heroes and it's like there's there's division there's cliques there's, there's separation while you look at these teams that everyone is working tooth and nail it's a it's a team it's a unit it's together and that, I mean, you can even look at on military studies or psychological studies. Typically, when people go through hardships, especially like love romance, two people that go through a very hard experience, it, it almost multiplies the years of, of, of unison by like 10 years. It's insane. It's actually studies that they show, like when they go through a life-death experience. Right. That's fact. That's a study. They, it builds them so tight. It's like it's almost unbreakable, whether it's friends. Why do you think that is? I think it's because when you get the sobriety of death, the sobriety of a hardship, you realize how virtuous and how lucky we are to fucking be here. Right. And you take it for... It's like when you lose someone. Right. Man, tell me you're fucking... First of all, you're really upset, but tell right. me how much you're like, okay, I'll, the next person, I'm like, I'm, I'm grasping. Like, right. You lose a best friend or a family member or a parent or a grandparent, and you're like... Because death is the ultimate teacher. I mean, obviously, I'm a big, almost morbid in that concept, but yeah. death is such an important teacher. Or a hard situation that makes you, what, feel like you're about to die. Like fucking training, training right? <laughs> right? When you have those training sessions where you're like, man, if I was going to die, I mean, today is the day. And then you're done. And you look at the guy, person next to you, and you're like, we fucking made it. Right. Why do you think military training is so hard? Why do you think special forces people will die brothers and sisters together to the end because they not only go face combat, but the training must make them represent that feeling. Like granted, there's still divisions and yeah. such, but that's the same concept. Obviously, I don't, we do it at a much more diluted level, um, but that is actually a psychological reaction to the sobriety of death. Surviving near, near life, or near, say if you're watching Fight near Club, death, yeah. or it's like <laughs> near life experiences, but it gives you that, <gasps> that second breath, like I'm alive. Like, I'm gonna live it. You know what that that shows you? It it, it gives you presence. Yeah, God, good word. Right, it gives you presence because what we think about is the future, especially in business or in training. You're like, I want to get to that. I want to get to that. Or you, uh, who was I talking to? I think it was a teacher that was uh, yesterday. He was like, most people aren't in the present. Most people are either in the past, like damn, it, remember, mm -hmm. or like that's what I want to do. It's very hard, and I think that's what a lot. Of, a lot of these diseases that people have, mental stuff, including myself, when it comes to like hardships, um, is we're not in the present, right? right? And I think that's what happens when people have a life death experience, or they suffer, or they have a hardship. They're like, shit, shit. what I have right now, I'm wasting my time. Damn, my time, so. I gotta take care. And even though that lasts like a day or two, and then you go back into your <laughs> habit, and then you're like, like a, wait, right? a few months, you're like, fuck. You're like, shit, I'm back into <laughs> yeah. it. But that's that's what the human human existence, you know, creates. But um, now that you said that, I think it creates a presence. Mm -hmm. That's a good word, absolutely. I think it makes people understand, all right, I'm here now. Mm -hmm. Huck almost died, almost freaking slipped off this cliff. Yeah, or this thing, this barbell almost killed me. Yeah, or like right? when you trip when you're walking, you're like, right. oh shit, right. and you're like super happy you for like You look around and you're like, oh shit, yeah. okay, I made it. Yeah, presence. Right. It, 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 presence, it, it's very much that mindful practice. I was very, um, my buddy Lucas Irwin taught me Last year, and I was able to teach and learn meditation and, and mindful practice and being in the present moment. Obviously, it's incredibly difficult, but it's also something to train. Mm -hmm. You know, and that again, if you, the, we all have to live in the past and, and the present theoretically, 
obviously we can't just negate, negate the fact that we're, something's happening or something right. will happen. But that mindful present moment, especially last year being injured and having to do everything I didn't want to do and be in the present moment as much as I, I can. I was physically forced to do so. I'm trying my best to reflect that upon my business and upon the culture. Saying to them, that's why we have that shirt that says everything ends, because everything does end. This gym won't be here forever. The person next to you won't be here forever. This culture, hopefully, will be here for a long time, but not forever. Everything does end. So it brings more value when you take that sober moment and it brings you into, it gives presence, which is a great concept too. It's only because you have the conception that this will absolutely end. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and that is part of the present moment. You know that if you're going through very serious pain, it's a stoic philosophy too, which I love. If you're going through pain or hardships or, or being angry at your fucking coach, it's going to end. It'll end. You'll wake up tomorrow or in a week. It's going to end. The pain of training is going to end. And that should drive you into working harder in the moment. Which is, you know, obviously a under the umbrella of culture and leadership. That's one of the many, many things um, of mindfulness practice and stoicism, which is almost the same concept, mm-hmm. you know, Marcus Aurelius and all them. So that is also things that as a leader, you start to kind of influence. Now, look, if you're a leader, it's your fucking thing. And here's one of my things I've had to advise. I, could, I feel like I, could, I would love to when they express my concepts on leadership more, maybe when I refine it. But if you're the leader of something, it is your vision. It is you. You cannot spend, you know, it's part of building a culture. You can't spend all the time trying to make everyone happy. You can't spend all the time thinking, man, what can I do so that everyone is happy? You cannot do that, in my opinion. You have to make yourself happy first. After you make yourself happy with what you're doing, then you can express it and show it, like you said, by example, what it is you want to do. And I'll, I'll say that from going back to step one. If you don't have a vision, a plan, and something that is getting you up in the morning that you truly love, that you truly want, and you're happy with, you're not going to build a culture. You're going to build a group. There's a difference between a group and a culture. And there's a difference between those things. You can Mm -hmm. say culture and community hand in hand, but a team and a group is not a culture. It's just a group of people. How many many teams of people you know that all hate each other, but they're on a team? Right, right. And that's where I would say is a major, major player when you have to make yourself happy with what you want first. If you want a fucking dumbbell sitting on a box in the middle of your gym because it's what you fucking want, that's what you fucking do. And if your gym and people don't like it, they can fuck off. Because if you sit there like, okay, well, I'll put it on the floor. Then the next time, well, I don't like it on the floor. How about sideways? Okay, well, okay, how about sideways on the box? That's cool too. Okay, but no box. All right, that's no, no. And it could be one person, two people out of 20. It'll start to chip away, and you start to lose identity, and you start to lose leadership, because now it's too much compromise. I'm not saying to be unyielding and unbreakable and, and be this rigid piece of shit, but when it comes to the foundation and the, cult, the bottom roots of that culture, there should be no give. Treat the guy next to you with respect, or you're fucking out. There is no give. There is no, oh, I ha- you had a bad day. I get it. Fuck your bad day. Get your bags and get out, get out of my gym. you disrespectful. Get out. Not, there is no understanding. There are certain things. Take care of this gym. You drop my equipment, one warning. The second one, get your shit, get out. There is no give. Mm-hmm. There's certain foundations that you cannot give because I'm very happy enforcing these rules because that's the rules that I built this whole gym and culture about. Those are unyielding. There's some different things, obviously, you know, 
I don't like bench pressing. Okay, I'm not gonna be in a gym where you have to bench press or you know you have to squat heavy, you have to squat below parallel. Those are completely different aspects. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about those intangibles we're talking about, the rules that build the foundation of your culture and your legacy and your business for Christ's sake. If man, if you just happen to wanna make everyone wear a red shirt on a Saturday because you think it builds team unity and cohesion, then fucking follow through. Don't let three people show up with a blue shirt and then shrug your shoulders. Because next week is four. Mm-hmm. And then by a month, no one wears your red shirt. And then what's the point of having discipline and effort? Because you start to try to make everyone happy. Right. It's an example of something very minute. But I can't express that enough if we were going to go back into building those ideas and those root ideas. Mm-hmm. There needs to be something that you're just unyielding. What if um, you're not sure what you're trying to... You have an idea, mm. but you're not sure. The intangible is still not intangible to yourself. Then I would say that what you're trying to get yourself into is not something you've either given enough thought or that you truly love. Now, that being said, you will evolve. Right. And some things will change. And some things will add on. Mm-hmm. And some things you'll drop. I can tell you that from the man I was six and a half <laughs> years ago to who I am now, it's a fuck. I'm a, that person's dead. It's right. a shadow. It's a boy. Right. Um, but there are certain things, at least start with one, just one thing where you can hold on to it. That is your candlelight. That is your thing that you get up in the morning for. That's your fucking thing. You're like, I'm going to run a gym where I'm going to help everyone. Everyone helps each other. That's it. One thing. I mean, if you don't have one thing, then you don't belong in owning a gym or a business. Or you actually don't belong helping anyone because mm-hmm. you can't. That one thing that you know you love, that makes you feel good, that makes you feel great that runs with it and that'll blossom into other things that you know that you either yield to or you become unyielding but have one thing that you want to really express and grow and cultivate and water and you and you really that's why I've always said that being a coach is like being a farmer you really want to tend to that and those that don't see that or feel that vision with the same passion as you aren't necessarily part of your culture. You can have outliers, Mm -hmm. but those are the people that you know you have to treat. You're like, okay, well, you're different. Mm -hmm. Granted, listen, I run a facility of almost 50 people. Not every one of them are fucking waking up at 6 in the morning to go to West Palm to go see a competition in Lone Plates. I get that. Because there's levels, right? There's levels of this culture. The idea remains the same. The majority of those that are going to carry your banner must be on point with you 100%. So if I, if I tell you that we're going to, especially this is a, my, I call this from my competitor lifters. That's the real base of the culture. Mm-hmm. If you're going to wear my shirt in competition, you're going to be a competitor. This is what you have to do. If not, you're out. Because this is, you're getting all my attention, all my funds, all everything. It's yours. But it's got to be reciprocated. Right. So to go back to what you're saying, you don't always know. I still don't know if there's certain things I'm going to drop and give. Right. But the basis of this was always to build a community and a culture that would strengthen people, sometimes by any means necessary. And it was going to be my way or no one at all. And unfortunately, I've lost people along the way, I've rubbed people along the wrong the wrong way, um, along the way, and I've, I've sure I've pissed plenty of people off, but I'm going, fuck. Because those are so small compared to the great that has come out of this gym and the great people that I've been lucky enough to expose myself to. And that's the only way to do that is to have one or two good things and become very unyielding on that. Other things, of course, you'll know. I mean, it's, I hate to say that you'll just know, but the backbone of your company and your culture needs some things you cannot yield for. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the only, I think, in my opinion, what makes a good leader. Because a, a leader that bends too much or gives too much creates strife. And it creates this kind of like wavy feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, there's obviously, there's some days that wake Does that make sense? It, mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't stop the gym from being its own entity. Just because I wake up in a shitty mood because my knee hurts. The gym's still the fucking same. The culture's still there. You better show up at 7 o'clock to fucking train on Saturday. Just because I'm in a pissed off mood. It has nothing to do with the culture. Right. I'm only fucking human. Does that make right. sense? Same thing with you. Like you can wait. So we were talking about uh, what your, uh, not your, I, I would agree with it too, your explanation of what leadership is. Right. Um, which is basically honing into whatever that, well, I'm going to call it essence, because we, what we created, or what we started with essence or that culture, understanding what that vision of yours is and then holding into it. But then the good leaders is understanding when to, I don't necessarily, I guess, I don't know if I'm using the right word, is to compromise in this or to, I guess you would help me with this. Yeah. Understanding the, the true leaders, understanding when to give and when not to give. I, I guess, right? 100%. And, uh, you can still compromise and not lose the essence right. of the idea. Unfortunately, many people believe that compromise, although it shows, people think it shows weakness, it also means your undoing. You know, you can be a very, I'm a very dominant person. Yeah. But I'm not very dominant at certain times. At home, I'm actually relatively quiet. With my with, mother, I need proof. I need proof. <laughs> Never find that. <laughs> like with my, oh, look, I'm, I'm Colombian. My mama's boy. Right. My mom tells me, you know, take that toothpick out of your mouth. I'm six times bigger than my mom. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Right. Because just because I yield to my mother doesn't mean I'm not a dominant person. Right. It just means I care that much about that person, but I'm still strong, and that comes with maturity, obviously, and that brings into light when you become a mature leader. Like here's an example. Six years ago, much more of a motherfucker. I had less confident in my ability as a coach and a leader. I was, although it was maybe 27, 28, I was still growing mm -hmm. in this position. And I was less likely to yield for anything. It was just, I felt like yielding meant that you were questioning me the wrong way and I would get upset. Not always. I'm, I'm being very honest with you. There was just some times where I was just like, no, man. And even if I had, even if they had a remotely good idea, I was like, no, it's my fucking way. And I was yell more and I was more like in everyone's faces and shit because I was, like we said, that person needed to be that person. I needed to be extra aggressive and extra outspoken and extra, extra me to make sure that I put the foundations for the battle last year. I had to sleep less. I never slept. I, I had all my money in here. I was very fucking me and about whatever i competed nine ten times a year killing my body just to get out there and meet people and set records i ran a mock three and all this shit and you did that to build that base mm -hmm. and at the time i felt well if i yield too much people are going to view the gym as weak mm -hmm. and if i yield a little bit on certain ideas then you're going to you're not going to believe in them anymore and as i grew as a culture and i started to realize that being a leader is not about only knowing yourself, but knowing those around you, like Musashi would say, knowing others is knowing yourself, rather than knowing yourself is knowing others, which I think both go interchangeably, yeah. but you can say both at the same time. I realize everyone has their own thing. You know, it's, I may have a culture, but it's individuals that make this culture. Everyone has a thing. Right. I can scream at certain guys. I have to compromise with certain people. I have to educate other ones. Some I barely even have to speak to. Some I just look and they know. And I started to realize that 
if I yield with one and not on the other, I still have the foundation. I still have my ideas. It's still the way it is. If Here's an example. If somebody is rude to somebody, there's sometimes where I'm like, hey man, let me speak with you. Because I know that person. I compromise. I didn't yell. I didn't make them an example. I didn't send them home. I said, hey man, maybe it's like a first offense. Or yeah, something. yeah. Let me speak with you, man. Pull them aside. I said, you can't be doing that in this gym. You know, real calm, collected. And I know some other motherfuckers react differently. If I pull them aside, I know that that's not going to... They, they're going to be like... Oh. And I have to be like, mother... And get loud or whatever. It's, but I'm, one, I compromise, but the rules remain the same. I still can compromise. I can yield. I can, I can give a little bit. But the rule still is, treat the person next to you with respect. Now, before, it was unyielding. Everyone got fucking yelled at. Everyone was wrong. If you even looked weird. I'm like, no, you know, because I had to create. I was a, obsessed with creating this fucking super tough gym. Yeah, you're, image, finding, you know? you're trying to find your way. It takes time, right? Um, and even now, I'm still, I'll tell you, and I, I think anyone in a leadership position or in a gym owner position or a business yeah. owner, you can't stop evolving. I don't want to necessarily use the word change. It's a very rough word. It's a very brisk word. But evolving and, and, and growing and yielding and giving, and it's an ebb and flow mm-hmm. concept. Um, but yeah, you can have your core, you can have your very core, hardcore idea and yield a little bit or a lot and still not lose sight of that. And the, the hard part is to portray that image to this person or team you're speaking to with, with, and then having them realize the same concept. That's the... I don't, I, well, I'm sure you know who Bruce Lee is. Oh, hell yeah. I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee says... It's very hard to express yourself honestly. I think that's what you're saying right now. Mm-hmm. Leadership is to be able to express oneself honestly, right? No bullshit, right? But it takes, and then another thing that he says is, you need to take what's useful and reject what's not, what's not. right? In your beginning, you're like, this is all I know, right? And this is, I really believe in this passion, so this is all I know, whatever uh, tries to intervene in this, no, no, no. But then you started figuring out, you're starting to know yourself. You're starting to understand how you can express yourself while still expressing the identity that you're creating. And then you started to, okay, bring in the stuff that was useful and rejecting everything else, right? Um, and I think the hardest part is, as a leader, is understanding what you're trying to create and who you are and how you can um, amplify that, right? And I always go back to psychology. Everything is psychology. 90% of it, right? Um, being a leader is psych, right? Is understanding yourself, but understanding, like you said, understanding the six people that are in front of you and how you can best amplify their potential in the situation that is most necessary, right? Mm-hmm. For the example, whoever was being rude to one person, you know, you have to scream at one, bring somebody aside to the other one, the other one just look at them and they're like, oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and be like, hey, I'm sorry. Um, but a lot, of, and, and all that is true, but to get to that point, there's a lot of rough steps that have to. Get for you, right? Like for you, you said I went through years of just killing myself. Yep. I went through years of really, neg- I wouldn't say neglecting. Uh, uh, I was scaring off, I guess. Yeah. Scaring yeah. off people, but if you didn't go through that, you wouldn't be the the essence, right? You wouldn't yeah. have the the where you are right now to be able. Okay, I need to be lenient with this person, not lenient with this person. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to yield here, and not yield, right? Yep, and it's, it's a maturity thing. Yeah, I mean, there you it go. really is. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a, a 
40-year-old person that's been a leader for a year, and they're as immature as a 12-year-old. Right. Even though they're, in many aspects, they're grown. A grown woman or a grown man. So what are you saying? If I read a, a leadership book, I'll become a leader? You're in, bro. Yeah. yeah. Just, read, uh, just read Jocko's book, like there everyone, and suddenly everyone became accountable. Right. Um, stream ownership, I mean, which I love. Don't get me wrong. But everyone reads it, and they're like, oh, this is it. Like, and I, again, I, I feel that there are certain fundamentals in leadership that I've learned, and I have so many, so many left to do. And so much left to learn, which is great. I love it, you know. And where I learn a lot of my stuff is by being challenged by difficult lifters and difficult people. Um, I myself am not the easiest person to be with. I'm also not an easy person to lead if you're not qualified. And I get it. I become, if I don't feel like you're a real good leader, I question. It's in my nature. I swim against the current. I love it. If I don't feel like you're qualified to lead, I will challenge you for leadership. It's in my fucking genes, man. It's just the way I'm going to be. But if you're a qualified leader, I'll literally march to the gates of hell in front of you. That's just how I am. It's very, it's very hard to be in the middle. Like, oh, this guy's kind of a good leader. I'm like, no. Either you're a good leader or you're fucking not. Or you, at least if they're a good leader, they can be somebody that's learning. They're still a good leader. Right. They're still trying, in essence. Um, and that that is kind of where I'm at now, where I understand that I'm still growing in many aspects, you know, and... I don't want anyone to ever come off like, or I want to come off like, look, I'm, this is my leadership rules and this is how it is. Like I expressed earlier, there's certain things that I really, really believe in. When it comes to the philosophy of leadership, I'm, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I've been, I typically have always had leadership qualities, but I think I've never been exposed to them like I am now and exposed to people that are really challenging me. It's This job is very hard. Um, you don't just clock out and then leave 30, 40, 50, 60 psychological stories in the gym. You take them home. Mm-hmm. You, it's hard to express this unless you're in a particular business where you have such high human interaction. If I was just working with numbers and three employees and contracts, it's just stress, but I can clock out. Most people can. Yeah, you can disconnect in a way. But when you have, you know, one person's family member passed away, one is hurt, one is really mad at you, one is disappointing you, one is going through problems, and you care about these people. It's not you, you care about these people. They're your culture. They're your family. Mm-hmm. You can't just clock out. You go home with that burden. You bring it to your loved ones. You bring it to your family members. You bring it to dinner. You bring it to bed. You bring it on vacation. You can't let that go. And people... I don't want people to ever get that conception that leadership just has all these perks where you get to treat people like shit and I go home and rub one out because I yelled at this girl and made her cry. I feel great. No, it sucks. It all is hard. And it is the sacrifice that makes me so adamant about this passion and this culture because the leader, whether it's me or one of my guys that's leading the other group, he has to deal with me now. He's helping the powerlifters. I'm going to yell at him the most because he's in a leadership position. And this stuff is all the unseen, the intangibles that you don't post on social media. It's hard to. You can. I like to write about it in articles and stuff. That's part of leadership that I'm still learning, that I'm going to learn every day of my life because human beings come and go and they're an ever-evolving puzzle and enigma. And I'm going to deal with that because I'm in a people business the rest of my life. And that is where my biggest growth has come. Because even though this gym attracts a certain type of person, within that type is a myriad of ideas and people and psychologies and philosophies and backstories and histories and personal issues and shit and etc. 
So you can have 20 alpha male mentalities, alpha female mentalities. Within that is a whole other culture. And it's a whole other... So every person... I even sometimes take lifters that are going to piss me off. I know they're going to... I know it. I've done it many times. I take them because they're going to piss me off. And I'm like, this is a challenge. It's a challenge to me and it's a challenge for everyone else around them to accept them too. Because sometimes we get lifters here where I'm like, this is a person that I'm going to have to really work with. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to really teach what culture means. They don't understand it. Whether they didn't grow up around it or they don't, they don't see it, it's work for me. Or I can just continue to get people that I can beat into submission. Where is the culture in that? There's no evolution either. None. And especially for me, it becomes stagnant. And I told my group the same. I said, if I'm working to better this person, why can't you bring them into your circle? Mm -hmm. What, they, they dress weird? They make you mad? So that's life. That is part of culture. Not everyone is always going to be this, we're the best buddies in the world. It's going to be ebb and flows up and down. There's the outskirts. You got to bring them in. You got to teach them. You got to show them by example. Bring them, talk to them. Hey, man, you're up. You load the plates. Come help me. Or you're that person that stands around in society where everyone fucking catches in flames. You're like, oh, fuck. Then that speaks volumes about you. Right. So if I bring somebody to the team, I'm like, this person's going to take work. Mm -hmm. I tell my, you know, I have like four or five people that are higher up, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. I'm like, keep an eye on them. Speak to them. Uh, talk to them. Load with them. Train with them. See where they're from. Expose yourself. Do the work that I have to do times 30. Mm -hmm. Do it. And that's how you start to build even more, you know. It's like one of, like my cousin says, he posted a lot, um, and I say it as well too, is like leaders build leaders. You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't build followers. You build leaders. You instill them. Hey man, that's not okay that you're not loading plates, dude. Tell that guy to help you out. Instill leadership qualities. Doesn't mean you have to be a leader, but instill something in you. Communicate. Hey, that's not okay that that person, help them out, man. Mm -hmm. Say that you need help. Okay. Because they direct, I just wrote an article about it recently. The stuff that goes on in this gym should directly correlate what happens in life. If you're not trying to better yourself in this gym, if you're just a person that's stagnant, that's pretty much how you're going to be in life. Or maybe that's how you already are. Right. And those are the kind of people that don't last in this fucking gym. They don't. Because they don't like to be challenged. They don't like to be pushed. They flake off. And that's more than okay with me. Because, you know, you give those people... Chances and tries and right. like, no, I said, okay, cool, man. It's not the place for you. Maybe you want a U-fit or something where you can just kind of blend in. I said, not here, man. If you're not pulling your weight, you are not pulling your weight. <laughs> like you're, you're, and you're standing up. Right. Just like in society. You know, society sees you for being lazy. Your coworkers, your family, your friends, they see you just like your teammates see you. You're showing late, not ready to train. You're not loading plates. Everyone sees you. But it's my job to call you up, and I will, before you flake off. Just like in real life, maybe a significant other will call you up. Mm -hmm. Or a manager. Hey, bro, what the fuck are you doing? So you challenge these people. You try to give them leadership qualities. Communicate. Work harder. Grab that person, and you two work together the rest of the day. Make it happen. Don't piss me off. Challenge them. I'm going to fucking watch you the whole time. All right. Like, oh, shit. And you see them grow and gain courage. I've seen it because I've made them. I've made it. Now I'm looking at them. Man, these people are just good. Right. I can leave town for two weeks and be like, mm. So it, it's, it's all essence. I mean, there's so much. I mean, it's like a whole separate podcast on leadership. But it most certainly applies to what we're talking about as far as building a gym culture. Mm -hmm. It's what you see a lot of people that don't love what they do 
and or this is not their way of life. You see that disconnect in communication, that disconnect in a, in a not necessarily pointing somebody out, but most certainly saying, hey, what you're doing is not right by our standards. I don't, again, outside of this gym, I don't give a shit. You know, you come in here with fancy ass shoes, they'd be like, put your fucking training shoes on. I'm not telling you that you, you shouldn't wear those shoes ever. I'm not telling you what you should buy with your own money. But in this gym, you got to wear this particular shoe because we discussed about this mm -hmm. before. Not, oh, that's cool, man. That's cool. And the thing is, too, is as being a leader is, uh, I mean, you use the word authoritative, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can be authoritative, but there has to be uh, a teaching moment. Hell yeah. Right? You can't just be like, do this and don't ask any questions. Because at the end of the day, they're going to follow you to a certain point and they're like, okay, why am I doing this? Rather than mm -hmm. following you and understand why. And then at the end of the day, they become like, okay, I see why. And they appreciate why that situation happened. And they can teach oh, and lead. No, right? But so if good. you are just uh, barking orders and not uh, creating a teaching moment for them, then it's just like, how long are they going to be sustainable in that position? Right. right, and I so that's a lot of it's funny you bring that up, and it, I'm hoping that that's probably what people I love that because that's what people think about the battle like shit that you're just gonna come here and be barked at, right? And I love it, I love that it has that I can give a fuck because <laughs> the people that show up to train really want some work, right? You have to earn that right as a leader. I have to earn that right to either yell at someone or have the right to listen to someone, it's, it's on the same scale, mm -hmm. even though they're opposite side. As much as I have the right or I've earned the right to bark at you and get a, like, ah, oh, come on, what the fuck, and lift and get in that kind of training, like, aggression, I also have the gift and the privilege to sit here and listen to your problems or to be the one that guides you on something, some part of your life. That's a gift. It's a luxury. As much as a leader is an authoritarian position, Authority can come in many, many aspects. You don't have to be, a, it's many ways. You, I know people that don't say much and can lead with just very little words. It's amazing. I wish right. I had that. I don't. <laughs> I'm super, I talk a lot. Um, and that authority figure and that concept, that's a big, big, big deal. But it's also the, your servant. Leadership eats, I mean, you know, leaders eat last. It's a very mm -hmm. common mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And you got to see it that, you know, as a coach, you have the, the gift. I mean, I had a podcast with Dave Tate. And he was saying, he's like, look, it's pretty cool. He's like, somebody could have used Google, but they went to you. Right. It's so much easier to just type in something, but they went to you. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing it as what? It should be a fucking privilege. Right. Rather than a burden. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, that's a big deal. So that like, you can, they want your advice. Whether it's to one person or 30, that's a big fucking deal. And typically that stuff is not shown because that stuff is within our doors. Mm -hmm. We have the gym meetings. I explain why we're doing a percentage at a certain thing. I, in fact, I'd be hard pressed to have another gym in Miami that has as much seminars as I do with meaningful people. Mm -hmm. Because not only do I want my people to learn, but the community around this. I notice I say the teams and the groups and the community around this gym to be a part, to learn for fuck's sake. We've right. had what? The Rebel Mindfulness. We've had Brian Carroll. Mm. I'm going to have Paul O'Neill. I'm having Leafa. In the future, I'm going to have Kaz Meyer down here. Are you kidding me? We had therapy sessions with mm -hmm. athletics. Like, for nothing. It was like 10 to 20 bucks. Right. It's, it didn't bring me any money, and let alone any kind of notoriety, because right. these people are from outside of my gym. But those are things that people either don't see, don't care to see, or I don't show off, because that's kind of what I like to keep within our group.
uh, what I st the after hours. The, sometimes we'll sit here on a Saturday, crack open a beer after training, um, and sit and talk an hour or two about training methodologies and philosophies, let alone like what we're doing right now. Right. Happens in my gym every fucking week. Mm -hmm. I don't have to express that on the internet. Right. That's what my that's what I'm doing to earn the respect of my people and my lifters, and hopefully. They say, okay, this motherfucker wants us to accel. And to t tap on that real quick, I don't yeah, mean to. No, no, don't. Um, a lot of times what happens when we, oh, I got to post this, it loses the, the, the feeling behind the why. You know what I mean? So like, there's times where, uh, for example, where I, I'm talking to someone and, damn, this could be a good podcast. But I'm like, you know what? I want, I want it to stay here. I want it to, because what happens then it becomes a different meaning. Like, then you're taking a picture or taking a video. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'll make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes like, oh, okay, it's going to be on, on social media, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Let, let me, so it's sometimes, it, and it's okay to be like, oh, th nobody sees this. Yeah. And because nobody sees it doesn't mean it never happened. Even though they're saying it's not on Instagram, it never happened. Oh, right? sure. It's right? the lips. Like, right, right. The lips. Hey, yeah. if it's not there, it didn't happen. Yeah, sure. But all jokes aside, there's times where it doesn't need it be said it doesn't need to be shown it's just it just happened and the people that were present that's all needed that's all that needed to to for evidence right for Absolutely. nobody else it's just because 300 people or 200 people or your friend that doesn't believe what you're doing didn't see it doesn't mean it didn't make a difference and it doesn't you know it's like a, a drop in the water right the, the ripples the ripple, effect. the ripple effects still continue doesn't matter how many people see it or not right Forever. I mean, that's really what legacy is about. I mean, I've had this discussion so, so many times. It's, and I, <clears throat> I bring it a lot to Norse mythology because I just, I like, obviously I'm a nerd, so right. I like all sorts of, but even in Norse and, and like Norse history and a lot of tribal history, a lot of it was before writ, like written language. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter anywhere around the world. People had to talk about you. Right. You know, they're necessarily into, especially the, the, the spread of Christianity and, and writing and, and machines and stuff like that that common knowledge of other tribes was very distant. You know, you just kind of knew what was going on within your own culture because people spoke about you. There was no book about MDLP, let's say. There's no book on the Battle Axe Gym. But there is 30, 40 people that will speak about this time in their lives to their children, children's children, to the legacy. Eventually it'll fade because all things fade. But that's what legacy is. Like if somebody, like, we, like I just said in the beginning, that we're talking about others, like, you know, these higher-ups in the community went, man, they got it. That's legacy. Right. They've worked 20, 30, 40 years to create that. Just so somebody is whispering their, their name on a fucking podcast in the middle of the day in September in Miami, that's legacy. They're not even here. They're not even nearby. Let alone those athletes and heroes from times ago that go hundreds and thousands of years. I'm like, that's, that's kind of what the whole goal of my existence is to build a legacy. And I would say, if you were going to ask me the order of things, it would be legacy is number one, and then culture is number two. There was an umbrella, yeah. legacy is the sky. And culture, and that is like the, necessarily the umbrella or whatever under that. Because to me, culture is the absolute backbone of legacy. Legacy and what goes beyond that and what is legacy, obviously, is it's a concept in itself, but it's that ongoing, ever eternal existence of whatever the fuck it is you stand for. That goes beyond you, that mm. exists beyond you for a long time, forever, if ever, and pushes forward on its own. You know, culture doesn't necessarily have to grow. It just it can just be. Mm -hmm. You know, how many cultures stay in the little jungle of South America forever until they get discovered? That's a culture there. Right. 
this is a culture here, you know, it's hard, but the legacy is pushing beyond this boundary. It's going forever. When people, when you go back to your, to your gym, you go, oh man, I just talked to Mike. That's legacy. Right. Just like I'll talk about you when you're right. fucking 20, 30 miles away from me. Right. That's legacy. People talking, saying our names and our shit across the states, that's legacy. That's not culture. They're not in my culture. Right. They're not in my gym. That's what that big concept, and that's the whole purpose when I started lifting weights, I'm like, man, I want to get real fucking famous on this. And I was like, oh, that's kind of selfish. I'm like, well, I don't really care. Like, I do want some notoriety. And then it was all me, me, and I. And then I started realizing, like, it's all to we, it's an us. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article because my buddy Randy from Idolmaker had mentioned that. I was like, when you start to feel successful is when you start to say we and us. That's when you know you're, you're making it. Whether it's very minute group, but it's different. First few years, me. I, I am the battle ice gym, you know. It didn't exist. It was MDLP and the battle ice were the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now you can start to argue, like, man, your clan. People say, oh, your clan's pretty cool, man. Oh, the battle ice gym. Not MDLP showed up. Like, the battle ice gym showed up. Now you barely say MDLP anymore. Right. I love it. I'm like, who gives a fuck? The battle ice gym showed up. They did that to you guys. You know, I got a thank you card right there in a the bottle. It says, thank you to the battle ice gym. It's like, I'm, thank you. Because if it said, thank you, Mike. I'd be pissed. I'm like, no, bro. I didn't show up by myself. Right. That's legacy. And that's what now my mind has evolved to. And it changed with a very core idea of like building this fame and, and being the strongest guy in the nation and being super strong. And that is completely, that is not, that wasn't my core root. You know, that was my, just my concept of myself has completely dissipated. And it's like, Man, this is this is us moving forward. Right. Like I see us, I go to competitions and I see like fifteen of us. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> you know, I go to we have a birthday party and it's like fifty people here. And I'm like, these are fifty people that exist knowing each other because of this gym. Right. Because of us. Before I'd be like, Oh, they're here for me. Right. Uh, whatever. Now I'm like even if I wasn't here. It would be I can leave right now at 9 o'clock and this party will go on until 3 o'clock because people have built a community and a culture and a cohesion to each other. That's crazy. And they'll go out. These are people that are outside of my gym. They come to this gym to learn, to, to listen, to read. I'm like, man, if there was ever a concept that I've become completely, uh, a, I don't want to say a slave to, but what I most certainly work hardest for is that, that legacy concept. And you'll, you'll, I've been saying this for fucking years. Mm-hmm. Legacy, legacy, legacy. Because legacy is, is bigger than you. And, you know, some people will f- go to anything, you know. They'll do a retreat or a religious experience or something. They'll search for this bigger than them concept. That's great. I get it. But this bigger than me concept is right with the people that I know. It's right here. It's almost almost tangible in the sense that I can see them. But the legacy is right there. And they came from fucking nothing. Nothing. And that's why I'm like I say I'm so animally defensive and vigorously behind the battle axe gym. And I have to exude that passion. And there is no tomorrow in the sense. There is no oh, I got a business on the side, mm-hmm. or I have other cultures to go to, or, no. This is my only one. There is no plan B. There is no plan B in this concept. Obviously, monetarily, right. you're trying to make moves, you know, right. with the shirts and the investments and shit like that, that but that, that's their, those are tangibles. Right. The intangible philosophy is that this legacy will be built with this culture and this gym as long as it fucking runs, as long as I fucking can. It reminds me a lot of... Uh, and something that when I first started, first started as 
uh, basically as a therapist going to different gyms and then little by little I started seeing these cultures, right? These little communities. Like, okay, cool. I, I would like to build something on my own like that. But what I started noticing, what I wanted to do is kind of like the philosoph- uh, philosophers or Socrates where they used to gather in a circle and, and, and exchange knowledge. I love that. Right? It's kind of like a well, yeah. right? Where, where your team can come to, whether it's a meeting or the spot, whatever it is, a gathering when you come in and you're constantly feeding off each other. Hey, this is what we did. That's in the essence of, of kind of like what you just mentioned. Like, hey, people can come here and gather, and I can leave, and that still conversation, that discussion still happens. doesn't matter because I've been able to, uh, with help, create this little well, right, which is Battle Axe or whatever you want to call it, um, whatever location, whatever business, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, that is magic right there. Yeah. Being able to have that, and you're like, cool. That's, it's, you look back, you're like, shit, I didn't think. cool, bro. You know? And you know what, man? It, it's fucking. It's one of the best fucking feelings in the world, dude. And yeah, we get caught up, and I mean we because you and me yeah. probably both get caught up in real mm-hmm. life stressors and mm-hmm. relationship shit and money. And yeah, it's okay to fucking sometimes forget. But it's a very real thing, you know. Just like there is a, just like we discussed that near death experience or whatever near life experience. Right. To bring you into the present moment, there is complete the complete. 180 or the complete other side of the spectrum when you see something like 10 of your guys cheering for somebody and they're really into it you're like this is there is no other moment this is your moment and like go slow motion oh it was it's there and it's part of that movie yeah I made this and I am a part of this and now it's like we did this it's us here you know and I've seen it in competitions where you see your lifter come up with that lift, whatever it is, and their fucking face is so lit up. And then you look around you, and everyone is fucking cheering. And you're like, "This, this is this is this is what I this is what I killed myself for." This is the ultimate not of art. And right. not tomorrow doesn't exist. And I even forget how hard I worked to get there. It's right. just that one fucking moment. So it's like, now, granted, those are less. Um, these incredibly positive experiences are less impactful than, let's say, a near death experience. Right. But the value is so amazing. Now, obviously, I have a little bit more of a morbid sense, so I, I kind of learn from shitty experiences yeah. more. But it, you understand this, you Absolutely. know. It's a, you see that person come through, and that it's just it's that is it, that is it. And it's if I had to describe it as what it feels like, I can write a fucking novel on. But what that moment is is because you know that you were part of that that seed, that toiling of the soil. It's like fuck, and here it is, right now in front of my fucking face. It's right here. And that's it. And you know that at least 10 years, 15, 30 years down the line, some shit happens. Maybe you're not there anymore. Maybe you're fucked up. Maybe things go down, dude. But those moments, they never leave you. Mm-hmm. They, it's like your losses. Right. I never forget my fucking losses. You know, obviously, I remember some of my wins. Right. But there's certain wins and there's certain moments in time in my life that are positive, that are so ingrained in my soul. And most of them have been experienced in the presence of others with the experience of others. Not this selfish, I won this championship, you know, as much as I love that, I love winning, I'm an athlete. But the experiences I've felt with the culture that's been around me, it's like, it's hard to describe. And it's, it's, it is motivation, built by discipline, but it's absolutely motivated. I know everyone's on the internet now shitting on motivation, and it's so generic to just go out there and be like, no motivation, it's all discipline. Yes, I agree, I fucking agree. But there is such thing as fucking motivation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what it is? When you have people around you, you have an existence around you, when you have legacy, that is motivation, man. That has been built by discipline, but it's around you, it's motivating. 
I don't know how else you describe that. Right. People are like, no fucking motivation. It's all discipline all the time. Of course, it's very, I do believe, like Jocko said, it's all discipline. So I get it. But that's when you're very self-centered. Maybe that's what you need in that time in your life. Maybe that's who you are. Maybe you're not in a leadership position. Maybe you're not in a culture. Maybe you're not in a community. You're the solo wannabe lone wolf. You're like, oh, it's not motivation. I go, it's not. It's not when you wake up in the morning and somebody's dependent on you to be in the gym. When somebody's about to compete and their whole life represents that and you do it and you help them with that. When somebody thanks you genuinely, thank you for helping me. That's not motivation. Surely, certainly it is. It's not discipline. Right. The base was, but that's motivation to me. Mm-hmm. That's what gets me out of bed. It's what made me live last year. I told my gym, I said, save my life. It, it helped me get out of fucking bed to come do a fucking bird dog for a fucking year. <laughs> I was, it was discipline, right. but guess what? I was also motivated. And, I, you know, everyone jumps on that, you know, what all the gurus are saying, fuck that, right. motivation, I'm like, fuck off. I'm a big believer of there's, there's no absolute, right? There's, everything's, there's a yin and yang to everything, yeah, right? It's yeah. an inner, uh, constant inner, intertwined interdependence, yep. right? Uh, uh, evolution always, right? There's going to be a point in time where motivation is certain the case, and it's going to be a combination of where discipline is certain the case, yep. and then they're both going to meet at one point, together a little bit of one and the other yeah. or, or a lot of bit of one and the other mm-hmm. you know there's some moments where you know i can be crazy disciplined like disgusting typically when i'm getting ready for comps and it's all discipline right. there is no motivation but there is some motivation i can say that there isn't but there is right when somebody tells me fuck mike that's a good job fuck off bro i don't need it all i'm like damn thank you yeah especially when it's with somebody you really respect right, right. or you walk into the gym and you hear your favorite song. What do you call that? 99 fucking percent of us that live have a song that motivates us. Right. And then we're on the internet. Fuck motivation. It's all discipline. Okay, train in silence. But always. Not just one. Always. Bullshit. You turn on that fucking song. You put on your favorite E.T. speech. You put on a fucking iPod. And you're fucking motivated. And that ignites the discipline or vice versa. The motivation ignites the discipline. Mm-hmm. Give and take, yin and yang, so much so. I don't think there has to be a clear, concise line. And I've been guilty of saying, look, but I say, go, what got me to do to heal my back was discipline. But I was motivated to come back, to win, to be strong. I was motivated to show my people that you can come back from a pretty much career-ending injury. That you can do this. I was motivated to teach them, to show them. That, hey, man, when I tell you to take time off and rest, I did it. Times 10. It's doable. Fuck yeah. I was motivated. That's what I was doing with my discipline as the, as the backbone and then, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I could be a little bit more motivated than I am disciplined. But the discipline's knocking on my door because right. the competition's coming up in December. So one drum is going to have to outbeat the other. Mm-hmm. It's like I always say, oh, the war drums are coming. I was going to put those boom, boom. I'm like, it's war now. Like, I am fucking geared up to compete. Don't fuck with me. I don't need motivation. I'm disciplined. Right. But it's there. Right, I just absolutely. don't like to say it. Right. Know? And that, that's, I mean, that comes a little sidetrack from where we're going. It's just, it's really easy to shit on something positive like motivation and try to be all hardcore like you're some disciplined motherfucker, which is great. One feeds the other, bro. And that's part of also, again, culture and leadership. And you can have an extremely disciplined squad. But if they're not motivated, how stagnant is that? Right. And, uh, you know, that's a whole, uh, no whole other topic for motiv- uh, conversation about motivating people to do stuff and instilling discipline. But you cannot teach them separately. You cannot. You must teach them together. 
with the give and take. That sometimes you're going to be more disciplined with small motivation, or you're going to be very motivated with little discipline. Example, off-season. You're not very disciplined in the off-season. You're going to go to vacations. You're going to drink. You're going to gain some weight. You're going to miss a session or two. You can't tell me you're fully disciplined. Right. But you're motivated to train. You're motivated to come back. You're motivated that you're getting stronger or, or healthier. Or you're motivated that you can go and fucking finally enjoy a beach with your shirt off and feel strong and have a beer and not be crushed by the overbearing feeling of, I can't, I can't, I have to be disciplined. I can't fucking do this. That's a very easy example to express when motivation is bigger than discipline. Right. Now, if you never take time off and you're this freak and blah, 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 and that's what you want to do, that's great, man. Do you. But that's like extremely rare and extremely not the person you want to fucking set an example of because I guarantee you, you could sit down and talk to that person and they still have glimpses of motivation. Right. They just maybe don't know how to express it. Mm -hmm. Because when you find somebody that's extremely disciplined, it's a very big wall. It's very hard to break that down and make them admit that's motivation because currently motivation is seen as weakness. Right. Like, oh, if you need motivation, you're weak. I'm like, since when? I, I need motivation all the time. I have my discipline, but mm -hmm. I also, I need motivation, bro. I need to know that in my mind, I'm going to pick up a trophy one day or that, fuck, I can still log press or that I look good to my people or my family members or my nieces. Right, it's like you said, it's it's... Motivation, it depends on the person and what that is to them. And at what point that motivation serves. Mm -hmm. I mean, to bring it all back, right, we talked about, uh, and I'm going to put it back into that umbrella you talked about, right? It's the legacy. Understanding what you want to be remembered as and then what are you building. Once you understand that, which in your process and in your journey, there's going to be certain changes, certain evolutions, but there's always that certain essence and certain principle that stay the same. Mm -hmm. um, and then you start creating a culture, which we mentioned is that essence, right? Is that unintangible, that thing that every, you walk into a room, you walk into a facility, you walk into your gym, you walk into your location, and everybody can feel it. They sense it without necessarily you having to talk about it in a sense. Um, and then to build that, obviously leadership is a big component of it, but then communication, right? The communication aspect of being able to now get that essence, get that unintangible, and communicate it to others. And we talked about the best way to do that is by example and through work. Yes. And a big part of it is that sacrifice, is that uncomfortable situations. It's those near-death experience or those really those hardships, right? Not yeah. everybody's gonna have a near-death experience, but you are gonna have hardships that are gonna that are gonna test the, that, right? that that legacy, that culture is gonna test me. Okay, is that really? And then sometimes that culture is gonna necessarily gonna shift a little bit because of those hardships, right? And that's the evolution that we're talking about. Yes. Um, and then leading up to motivation and discipline. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anything. No, you fucking nailed it, man. Right? Yeah. It's, it's just that evolution. And again, we're talking about in this certain way now, but we can talk in a month or two and be like, hey, you know what? Yeah. It's, we're changing these puzzles around. Maybe it's culture and legacy, and then it's our motivation, whatever it is. Yeah, but it's an understanding, understanding that, yeah, that exactly. the only reason why we can have conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't, I can't sit here and tell you that, yeah, a year or even like a day from now, I'll be right. like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's moving pieces. Mm -hmm. They're... Those moving pieces are the what makes the fundamentals even go forward. Right. And those fundamentals or those core roots and stuff like that, even some that are unyielding, can't be moved on their own. You need culture, legacy, people, you know, discussion. Right. Those push those things forward. Or you can just sit in your house and have a really good idea and sit on it your whole life. Never which is very common. I think one thing that stays constant in the whole conversation you had today, Mike, is psychology that keeps bringing up mm -hmm. and human, human being. 
the human being is never necessarily going to change in itself, right? right? And the psychology, even though it's different, psychology, the person to person, but you're still dealing with the human, and still dealing with psychology, environmental, right? You have strategies that they've come up through, stuff that they're dealing with now. Those are two things that you're always dealing with. Um, and to create culture, leadership, um, legacy, you have to understand that that's a big aspect of it. It's deep. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm a psych major, so I'll always be, <laughs> always, always, always put psychology first. Mm-hmm. You know, before anything else, obviously, physiologically or neurologically right. or biomechanic, whatever. Psychology is the number one thing I try to develop mm-hmm. um, or even explore, right. which has led me down very wrong roads many times. Right. Um, but just like we discussed, man, uh, tonight's, I think it's the biggest thing because we were talking about intangibles in yeah. the first place. You weren't asking me about fucking programming, which I thank you for because right. it's like the most boring thing to talk about. <laughs> but it's those, those concepts of the intangibles that, you know, the backbone of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to end with one thing, and it's a personal experience that I've, kind of journey that I'm on, right? That's two things. Mm-hmm. One is to build relationships, which I want to thank you again uh, for having me again here. I love yeah. being here and, and just man. sharing this. I think. Uh, we don't do this enough. No, I think bro. we first started off with social media and the rant and the rat race. I think, in a, in a, in a sense, we lose this part of, of not only business, but of humanity, right? Where we get to sit down. No pictures. Obviously, we're recording this, yeah, right? Because, right? But it's just having this conversation, um, which in my sense is much more powerful than any book, than, any, than anything that you can ever go to. If you can sit down. I, I learned the most when I talk to somebody. But if it's with my, my abuelo and he talks about the times when he was in Cuba and this and that and the thing that he went through and how um, everything, he, his trials and tributes, tribulations led to whatever he is now. Right. Same thing that, like you're talking about now. All the trials and tribulations that you came through to create this, this culture, right? To create the, the essence that you've been able to, to cultivate, right? right. Um, that's one thing that I'm after. And another thing is, as you just mentioned, and I'm always going to be a, 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 psycholo- a psychological component of this, is the mental aspect. It's one thing that I know I lack dearly, right? There's times where I'll train and I'm like, fuck, I do not want to do this. And George, uh, our other therapist now that we brought him on, has been a great help with that. Because he's like, yo, why aren't you training today? I'm like, nah, nah, I got to do this email. This he's, like, he's like, Andy. Come over here and let's train. I'm like, ah. and, I, and me, like you mentioned, example. Yeah. If I can't say, hey, you know what? This is important. It is important to me. I'm going to put this aside and go train. More importantly, I'm going to create this culture that I want to create, which is this team bonding, right? Where this, I think there's, there's something to say when you train with somebody, right? It's the hardships, right? Yeah. It's, it's going through those things. You're about to die. You're not dying. Yeah. But at that moment, you're like, feel it, bro. If I don't, like, I'm dying. Everything in me right now, I'm trying to do this pull-up, trying to do this swing, trying to do this deadlift, trying to do whatever. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. You know? So it's those hardships. And I think... Uh, we talk about hardship, we talk about uh, life or near-death experiences, but we, you, you have hardships every day. It can be the decision you had to talk to somebody because you know it's uncomfortable, but that yeah. uncomfortable discussion that you had to talk and you had, you're like, shit, you know what, that changed the relationship that we just had, either nurtured it or, you know what, that person is, wasn't valuable. Yeah, wasn't, or ended it. Exactly. It's just as valuable. Right. right. So those hardships, whether training or day-to-day stuff, are, is what's really going to teach you. Yeah. Um, and, those, and that's really what I'm after. And being able to, to respond appropriately, which I'm starting to see is a lot harder. Right? Yes. It's not necessarily how you respond, or it's not necessarily just the response, but it's how you respond that makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and to me right now, my, training mod- or my modality in that is training. 
be able to train consistently and not let whatever stimulus, whether it's a kettlebell or the bar or it's just my body weight, is be able to say, because there's times I'm at, a, I'm at the bar and not the bar, local bar, but like at a, a pull-up bar, at a barbell, I'm just like, and I'm already, I'm not even saying anything. The first thing I'm saying, like, I can't lift this. Mm-hmm. I'm already destroying myself already. Right, you're right. Rather than being like, no, no. And I'm like, damn, that's so powerful. Yeah. Instead of going up to him and being like, all right, this is going up. I'm already visualizing how this come up or how I'm going to be successful. Um, and I wanted to add that because we were talking about hardships, and hardships happen every day, man. Yeah. Um, Near-death experience or near-life experiences, yeah. right, um, happen every day. Right. So it's making sure that we are aware of that and making the most of that because those, those moments are what's going to set you up for the next day and the next one. And the every next single day. One. Having conversations and, and uh, making progress and, and evolution. Yeah. Evolution of change and everything, absolutely. All right, Mike. Uh, again, I want to thank you again. Again, the and I also say the best thing someone can give another person is not money. Money's gonna burn. You can literally get a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, which that's what money is, right? right. Coin. It's, it is metal. It lasts a little longer, but uh, the sense of, of of money can be burnt, right? It can mean nothing. Right. In the next year. Or right? another country. Right. Or something. Yeah. But time. Giving that other person that time. That, and like we mentioned, memories and experience, that's something you will have forever. Nobody can take that away. I, so I really appreciate you giving me your oh, time. Thank Mike. you so much, my brother. It's an honor is mine, dude. Thank you for giving me your time. No problem, no problem. No problem. Um, all right, guys, that's it. Appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys go ahead and follow the Battle Axe on Instagram. Um, just go ahead and let them know um, where they can find you. Yeah. Now on our social media, podcasts, your articles, let no, them know. Absolutely. So uh, you can follow me at the Battle Axe Gym. Um, that's my handle on Instagram is typically where I post a lot of my stuff for Power Rack Strength. You'll see my link tree bio. It has links to my articles, my website, and that's pretty much it. You can email me with any concepts or any ideas at thebattleaxiam at gmail.com. So just look me up on there. Perfect. Hold up.